Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans, it's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Oh, what could have been Thursday night. It was Marriott Center Magic, BYU and Gonzaga. A heartbreaking loss for the Cougars, and we'll break that down uh, plenty today. In hour number three, we'll have former BYU assistant basketball coach Tim Lacombe. He was there. We saw him afterwards. He'll break down what happened against the Zags and maybe preview tonight's matchup against Pepperdine. So a lot of hoops. Some football as well, Mitch. We'll have a lot of football talk, as you'll hear from the new quarterbacks in the BYU program. Last week, you heard from Ryder Burton. This week, you're going to hear from Keaton Slovis and Jake Retzlaff, the new JUCO quarterback who signed with BYU this week. So a lot of football talk, some NFL playoffs maybe as well too. Uh, but we got to start things off with that heartbreaking loss to the Zags at the Marriott Center. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. BYU falls 75-74 to to the number 8 ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. A missed opportunity. Matt, we were talking in the post game afterwards, and if you missed our podcast, go check it out on Cougar Sports Saturday on kslsports.com and all major podcasting platforms. There's not many times where an opponent comes into the Marriott Center and takes down BYU when the Cougs are, trail- or, uh, are up by two possessions with about 90 seconds to go, but that's Gonzaga for you. They've got a winning program, even if they're a, a team that's not as good as they've once been. It's still Gonzaga, and they are a tough, tough team to take down, and BYU experienced that again on Thursday as they fall to the Zags 75-74. After a few days to let it simmer, you know how are you feeling maybe big picture about this BYU team as they are now 20 games into the season? It's a great question, and honestly, I don't think I can answer it right now because I need to see what happens tonight against Pepperdine. Pepperdine is 0-4. This is a game that you should win. I've always been of the belief Pepperdine, Santa Clara, Loyola, for for even that matter. I know they're a, a decent team this year. You should always win those games. That, I'm never going to relinquish that standard. 
You should always win those games, regardless of whether Pepperdine has an NBA player or LMU's in the top 100 in net ranking. Don't care. You should always win those games. If BYU can beat Pepperdine tonight and wash out the sour taste from the Gonzaga game, I'm going to feel like BYU is trending upwards, even with the loss against Gonzaga, because they shot the three ball better. They held their own with a very good team, and they've done that this year. They did that against San Diego State in a loss. They beat Creighton. The Creighton win... I diminish it a little bit considering their best player wasn't there. But I'm just, you know, hey, a win is a win, but it's not like they beat Creighton at their best and then Creighton had a losing streak after that, anyways. So uh, right now, I want to see what happens against Pepperdine. If they can win, I'm going to feel like this team is still getting better and they're trending in the right direction heading towards the conference tournament. I have a lot of belief that this BYU program is, is taking steps forward. You know, Mark Pope has consistently said this year. We want to get better every day. It's a simple mantra, but I do think they've made a ton of progress because when they were 5-5 five and five and they lost to Utah Valley, man, I thought that this team could be maybe a 13-14 win team. It was a low point for BYU hoops that I had not seen since, man, the early days of the, you know, the tail end of the Roger Reed, early years of the Steve Cleveland. It, it was a low point. And credit to this group for for bouncing back and being competitive and getting better. Uh, but, you know, when you get to those late-game situations, you got to capitalize. And that's a missed opportunity. And in the postgame, we saw Mark Pope. He was he was pretty dejected. I mean, you could sense that he understands this was a missed chance. And it's happened a few times. Think, think about three years ago when BYU took down the Zags in the Marriott Center, one of the greatest wins in program history. The following year, they had a heartbreaking loss to Gonzaga in the WCC championship team or championship game when they were up by 10. They had a Jalen Suggs Gonzaga team on the ropes. They dropped that opportunity. Last year, they were just hammered twice. There was no real competition there. Then this was another missed chance. It was, you know, you want to get these games. And and I will say this, though, too, Matt. Uh, I feel good about where things are trending for BYU hoops despite the missed opportunity I also feel even more bullish about playing Gonzaga more in the future. I just think it's a great matchup. It's a great series. I want that game to be annual. I want that to be an annual come game. Around. I've come around. I, I want that game to be an annual matchup because, man, it's just always good whenever those two teams line it up, and, and that's what makes college basketball so great. That's our poll of the day right now, actually, in the KSL Sports Twitter. You can vote there. You can also chime in. We love to get texts from you guys at 575 575- Zero zero. You can give us uh, your thoughts about the game. You can chime in on our question of the day, which is, do you want to see Gonzaga scheduled every season when the Cougars move into the Big 12? Absolutely. I mean, that game cemented it for me. Just the way that the Gonzaga players spoke about the game. Drew Timmy, he thought, thinks that this should be an annual game. And this is a player who, he has no reason to say that. This is last year at Gonzaga. He can say, oh, it's a great game, but you know they're they're doing what they got to do, and so are we. He loves that game. He had rave reviews about the Marriott Center, the BYU Rock, what they did uh, to just bring a tremendous atmosphere to college basketball. He loves the game. Mark Few loves the game. We'll have some sound from him a little later, uh, him post-game talking about what BYU has meant to them and the conference. I I love it. And I also think about this because I think this was your train of thought originally. And it's not wrong, but it's like, hey, the Big 12 is so hard why would you play a hard non-conference schedule? My point would be, 
if you're 18 and 12 with a loss to Gonzaga, or you're 19 and 11 and you beat SUU, is your resume any stronger? Is that going to be the difference between getting in or getting out of the tournament? I think even a loss, a close loss like the one they had the other night, would help your resume rather than having an extra win versus a bad basketball team if you're padding wins in the non-conference. I just It's too great of a game. There's such great respect before the programs. I would definitely want to keep that uh, continuing into the future, Mitch. I would honestly probably put Gonzaga over Utah on the basketball side as far as priority, but I understand Utah will continue on an annual basis, and it has to. I, I, I get the history, but... Uh, that Gonzaga-BYU game, it's it's something special. And it'll take a different tone probably when it's played in November and December. And there's nothing official on the books for next year. Or, you know, BYU's still sorting out what their Big 12 schedule is going to look like in the first two years with a 14-team Big 12. But I just think that you know that the respect that the programs have for one another, it, it's that's appreciated. And I think that Gonzaga, I'm not going to be one of those guys that just you know, always speaks glowingly about everything the Zags do is just so amazing. But, you know, when they have had some uh, issues, they've like, corrected their fans, too. You know, they, they once right. did the whole missionary bit and said, hey, don't do that anymore, and they actually back it up. I just think there's there's a great relationship between BYU and Gonzaga, and I Keep think it. it's, it's respected. And I think that when you do have a great partner like that, and BYU has such – few partners, true partners, the more detractors of the BYU brand, uh, maintain those people that are close. And and I just have a lot of respect for what uh, Gonzaga basketball is about, and I admire their kind of greatness, how they go through this league. Because the last three games they should have lost, and they just find a way to always get it done. And BYU uh, has a lot to learn from that, and you, they want to aspire one day to be a great program. That's one of the things I love, too, about Following Mark Pope's BYU basketball program, he's not trying to build just a nice team that sneaks into the tournament. He wants to build a juggernaut that one day is contending for Final Fours and aspiring for the highest stages in college basketball. I know it sounds crazy to people to hear that because BYU basketball has never lived in that space, but that's what they're aspiring to do. And when you see it firsthand, you feel that that physicality that the Zags bring, and they brought it. They had BYU out-rebounded by 15 on Thursday night. Uh, it's just a great way to understand like that's the best of the best in college hoops, and you got to elevate your play. And hopefully, this loss can turn into something where BYU understands, hey, we can hang with teams in college basketball, and we can pay, hang with some really good teams. Let's build on this and not let it be a loss that turns into two or three. Let's be something where it's a learning opportunity, and we only get better from here. Myself and producer Nate Slack, we were under the basket in which Julian Strother buried the game-winning three. We were ready to mm. get some content for you guys yeah. on the floor. I texted my wife. I'm like, hey, I'm crowd surfing with Coeds tonight, baby. Let's go, Cougs! Well, it, it did not play out that way, and producer Slack, uh, producer Slack, I kind of like that, producer Nate Slack, producer uh, Slack. Ha- had a chance to interview Mark Few afterwards. Here's Coach's Few's comments on what BYU has meant to the league and to Gonzaga since they've been a member of the WCC. This has been so great for our program, and it's been... I don't think we make Final Fours without BYU coming in our league. I just don't. I mean, they've challenged us. This is is as good a game day environment, much like ours is, much like Kansas's is, and the big-time places are. It's been a a treat to come in here and and battle, and and there's been a lot of games similar to this. You think about – that's awesome commentary from Mark Few. You think about when BYU joined the West Coast Conference in 2011 – 
It was on the heels of Gonzaga being an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. BYU beat them as a three seed with Jimmer Fredette, and you thought BYU's going to step in and give a reality check to the Zags. At least go blow for blow. Year after year, they're going to go back and forth and exchange titles. It does kind of feel, and you hear that commentary from Few, that the arrival of BYU made Few go, we need to step it up to an even higher level. And they have. And the college basketball world's probably upset with BYU that they've allowed Gonzaga to create a, a juggernaut. I mean, it's not all BYU. I get it. But uh, he's got some incredible talent into there. You get Jalen Suggs. You get Chet Holmgren last year. But it was kind of one of those deals where you know, BYU put them on notice when they won that game in, in the round of 32 back in 2011 with Jimmer. And Gonzaga stepped it up. And that's just high praise uh, because that atmosphere – on Thursday was outstanding. And, you know, I, I feel bad that the Cougar fans had to go home with a loss because, again, they don't experience a sold-out rocking crowd that's engaged and they're, they're hyped up. And BYU's up, and then they collapse. That just doesn't happen much at BYU. It just doesn't. I mean, that, that building is truly magic for BYU. They, they're one of the – it's one of the best home environments in college hoops, and – to go away with a loss and the manner in which they did, that, that was that was a bit disappointing how BYU closed out that game. Why would you not want to keep that going when when, when someone oh, yeah. like Mark Few says something like that? That well, was incredible praise. It, it's a tough spot for Mark Pope because no, Mark, Mark Pope's also got a – he understands he's staring down 18 quad one games in the Big 12. And so BYU's never what? done that. I Look, I get it, but he's also in a business where you got to win. He told us on in October at Media Day – I said, hey, Mark, has Tom Homo and Brian Santiago maybe reevaluated the expectations and the standard of BYU hoops going into the Big 12, kind of lowered it? He said, absolutely not. We still got to win. This is a bottom line business, and I have to win, and we got to get this program to the highest stages. So he's right, but if Homo and Santiago think that, they're, they're up in the night. Come on. I, I mean, don't, you really, can't. You don't go hey, from the WCC to the Big 12. Hey, Coach Prime said it on Twitter this week. You never change the standard. Okay, we come. Coach Prime doesn't coach we at coming. BYU. You don't change the standard. Does coming. Coach Prime recruit with the honor code? We got to get here. We coming. <laughs> I watch a ton of Coach Prime content. I love Coach Prime, but come on. You don't change the standard, Matt. The standard is being changed because the Big 12. And look, <laughs> the pack, it's not like he's going into the SEC. Okay, he's going to the Pac-12 for heaven's sake. I love the BYU-Gonzaga game. I want it absolutely. If they said, hey, 20-year agreement, signed, Sign sealed, delivered, up. I'm in. And because preferably, it's and here's another piece to it, too. Home and home. How often does Gonzaga get good teams to come to the kennel? They don't. They don't. All right, we'll take the break on the other side. Let's wrap up the BYU-Gonzaga uh, look back with the blueprint. Why did things go wrong? We'll assign our uh, our blame for the loss on the other side. Back after this. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday, Saturday, January 14th. KSL News Time, 1224 p.m. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte here at Broadcast House talking BYU Gonzaga. Cougars fall in a tough one. Now 20 games into the season, they're 13 and 7, 3 and 2 in West Coast Conference play. Got a big game tonight against Pepperdine at home at the Marriott Center. We'll tip off at 7 here on KSL. But uh, to put, kind of put a bow on that Gonzaga loss, we're going to dive in now to the blueprint. 
Now Blueprints. Drawing up what went wrong this week for the Cougars and what went right. It's the Blueprint on Cougar Sports Saturday. In tough losses, it's more about what went wrong. And Matt, in those final minutes, sadly, there was a lot that went wrong for the Cougars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we like to typically divide this up like uh, a pie and, and assign some percentage out. I'm going to give 80% of what went wrong to Jackson Robinson. Mm. I don't want to pick on him too much because he made some big threes. He's been a nice addition for BYU. But uh, the majority of the issues were with J- Jackson Robinson. And I'm not even talking about the missed free throw. BYU was 5 of 10 from the free throw line. You make that, who knows what happens. Like, they can still tie the game and then you lose in overtime. So, I don't think that was too big of a deal. The The big issues for me were he could not inbound the ball. He had, a, he had an inbound turnover. So, remember, with like a minute to go, they get a stop. And Spencer Johnson comes up with this loose ball, and he gets fouled, and Gonzaga's got to play the foul game, and you're like, dang, they're up four. They got the ball. If they just make some free throws, they're going to win this game. And on the ensuing inbound, Jackson Robinson turned it over. It was a horrible pass. And he almost turned it over a few other times inbounding as well. So he had the bad he had the bad inbounding plays that resulted in points for Gonzaga. And then defensively, he was horrific at the end of the game. There was a, a three in the corner I keep forgetting this Gonzaga player. Hunter Salas. Hunter Salas. Guy, like, never makes a three. Yeah. Robinson is cheating off of him, probably because he doesn't shoot it well, but you can't give up a three. You're up four with a couple minutes to go. Like, everything needs to be in the paint. Don't let them hit a back-breaking three. He cheats into the paint. They kick it out to Salas. He buries a three. And then it happened again at the end of the game. You missed the free throw. Nolan you Hickman. You don't pick up. You don't pick up your defender, which was Strother. Oh, Strother. And then Timmy sort of sets the screen. You go under on a screen. You're down two, and you go under on a screen to open up a three for a guy who only likes to shoot the three. Yeah. I mean, it, most of the mistakes were Jackson Robinson. So eighty percent to Jackson. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think that BYU. I the a lot of the issues too. I feel like with this team. In these games, they cannot handle a press. They cannot handle full court pressure. I mean, this happened against Creighton, happened against LMU, too. Happened against Utah a little bit. LMU, that game last week, they were struggling against the full court pressure. I mean, they've got to find some answers in a hurry, and I feel like the answers need to be in the form of either Dallin Hall or Rudy Williams. Yep. Uh, that's well, where... Hall wasn't on the floor for most of the second half. And, and that was confusing, to say the least. I, I think that... I'll ultimately default to I think that BYU got outcoached. Mark, I mean Mark Fuchs, one of the great coaches in college basketball. I mean maybe of all time. I mean you go Shashevsky, you go probably what Roy Williams, Dean Smith, Jim Beheim. Fuchs kind of in that next tier. Bob Knight. I mean he's Fuchs among the greats of the sport, and you know so it's to be expected you're going to get outcoached by that guy. But you've had a lot of games against him you have like this was the most winnable matchup against the Zags in terms of the quality of their team BYU could have got this thing done they were only a six-point underdog that's the thing it's like this was not a 20-point David versus Goliath this is the Marriott Center it's BYU you get this job done I felt like BYU was was frantic and it caused a lot of issues we got to take a break though on the other side we'll get into some football BYU quarterback Jake Retzlaff joins us next here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar 
Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday here on the Legacy Home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, and it might be January, but I got to say, Matt, college football is year round now. And when BYU is getting ready to go to the Big 12, it is a year round deal. I can't help but think of college football and BYU football in particular. And our next guest can give us a, a bit of a BYU football fix in here in the, the dog days of winter. We're joined now by the newest member of the BYU football program. He's a quarterback at a Corona, California, Riverside City College. He's Jake Retzlaff. Jake, welcome on into Cougar Sports Saturday. Hey, thanks for having me, Mitch. I'm excited to have you on board, Jake. And, you know, first off, so you signed with BYU this week. We got to get into your recruitment a little bit more, man, because you know when people look at your your uh, accomplishments in the junior college route, big numbers, big yards, a lot of production. How on earth did did you end up here at BYU? Well, you know, it, it was a long recruitment process, uh, and it honestly was uh, it was just right from the beginning. Honestly, uh, first when I first talked to Coach A Rod. And uh, Coach Mitchell, it, it just felt right. And uh, I knew when I got here that it was going to be a warm welcome, and it always was. And, and so I'm just excited to be here and and uh, excited to get going forward. When did BYU first reach out to you, Jake? And do you, what memories do you have from your, your time visiting BYU? Um, I, the first time they came out, uh, they came out to a practice and watched me throw. It was uh, Coach A-Rod and Coach Mitchell, I believe, were out there. Uh or it wasn't Coach Mitchell. Uh, it was a, I believe, Fessy came out, uh, and they just kind of watched me throw and introduced themselves to me, and I was really excited to talk to them. Uh, at that point, recruitment had been pretty slow, and uh, it was just starting to pick up. Coaches were just co- starting to come out. Uh, this was, this was spring, probably, um, uh, maybe early summer, and uh, that's when they first kind of reached out and talked to me. Um, and, and just our relationship from them has just grown, and I've gotten to know both coaches pretty well. And and that, that the whole process of coming up here has been amazing. Uh, visiting up in the school, uh, getting to walk through the Valve Stadium, and and just being able to picture myself on the field was pretty spectacular. Jake Redslaff's our guest, newest BYU signee, uh, BYU football program quarterback. And, Jake, uh, I'm curious. You know, BYU is a unique place, and it's, it's a program that uh, – uh, if you're all in, it's a it's a great place, uh, but also it's a place that not many people always know everything about. What do you know about BYU before they started communicating with you and forming that relationship? Um, you know, honestly, uh, not, not being a member of the church, it was, it was known as the the LDS school, um, and so you know that whole the whole religion aspect of it was interesting for me, um, and, and I'm happy to you know, be here and a lot of the people are, are extremely nice and that's what I've gotten to to kind of know since I've been here. Uh, you know, not being a member, you're not sure how you're going to get welcomed and I got welcomed with, with open arms and uh, people could not have been better to me when I first showed up just like you guys have. From the football side of things, Jake, what do you like about BYU's offense and what they've done of late that makes you feel like, hey, I, I can fit in here on the football field? 
Uh, I mean, this offense is so quarterback friendly, and you know the quarterback history here is unbelievable. Uh, you know, from Zach Wilson back to Steve Young. I mean, there's no there's no better school for quarterbacks than, than for me that I feel. And, and this offense run by Coach A Rod is just it's amazing, and uh, the, from con- conceptually to uh, just everything about it, it, it really complements. Uh, the quarterback and the way I play, I feel like, dude, I'm really going to fit in the system. Has that quarterback fraternity reached out to you? Maybe Jaron or Zach or, or whoever it may be. Have they have some of those guys reached out to to show their support for you and help you through this process? Uh, right now, not yet. Uh, we're, I'm just getting settled in. Uh, you know, I arrived here uh, Monday, and so. That you know, I, I feel like it's all just beginning, and and hopefully I get to talk to those guys in the future. I definitely want to pick their brains about this offense, and you know, get the best insight I possibly can. I know Jaron and Zach both have a lot of success here, and you know, I'm just hoping to be able to replicate that. So what what was it about BYU that that ultimately put it over the top? Uh, because you did have other opportunities. There was reported offers from the likes of Hawaii and New Mexico State. Was it maybe just simply a case of? BYU was the one Power Five offer. What what ultimately put BYU over the top for you? Uh, you know, the Power Five aspect definitely made a difference, especially coming to the Big Twelve. Just a lot of opportunity here. Um, I feel like BYU quarterback standards. I fit very well. Uh, the style of play here, I feel like complements my game, and I complement the game, this offense, in the same way. Uh, you know, Coach Arod, Coach Kalani, those guys just made me feel at home, and. So I just, I just, you know, it felt right coming here. Now that you're here in Provo, have you had a chance to pick a number yet? Like, what do the next couple of weeks look like for you in, in in your time here at BYU? Uh, well, next couple of weeks, get, you know, still finishing, getting settled in, and and getting a number. You know, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I, I hope I get one of my first couple options. Um, but you know, that's just kind of a conversation for down the line a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just about, you know, getting back into a workout routine, uh, you know, putting some weight on, putting some muscle on, and uh, preparing for spring ball, and then being ready to go out there and understand the offense. We're, we're meeting to understand the offense and be able to pick that up. For me, it's just a, pretty much a terminology switch. I ran something similar in uh, Gia Collins, so it'd be fun. I always feel for the quarterbacks at BYU because all the single digits are pretty much wiped out because of their retired numbers. You got eights taken by Jim McMahon, or excuse me, Steve Young, nines taken by Jim McMahon, six from Mark Wilson. So the single digits are kind of few and far between. Uh, well, so I hope that you can get your, your favorite number, whatever that ends up being, uh, Jake. But, you know, I'm curious too, what are your expectations? Uh, going into this season for you, like, what are you looking to accomplish? Are you, are, do you, are you, has it been laid out that you can have a chance to compete uh, for that open spot at quarterback? Yeah, for you know, I want to go in there and give my best shot to get the third starting spot. I know uh, me and Keaton, who I met earlier this week, you know, we're we're ready to push each other in practice every day, and competition only makes us better. Uh, you know, iron shot is iron, so so I'm looking forward to competing in the spring, and uh, by the time season comes around, which I'm not crazy dialed in on game one yet. I know our schedule release is supposed to be hopefully soon. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll start looking probably towards the season after, towards the end of spring ball when, when it's time. But for now, I'm just I'm just anxious to get on the field, get on the throw with these guys and build the chemistry. I, I'm curious, too. You, you noted earlier about your conversations with Aaron Roderick. You know, I feel like any 
all the BYU quarterbacks that uh, have worked with him, they just give glowing reviews. Uh, you know, we've, we've Matt and I have been covering BYU for a long time now, and and all these guys, they they just they speak glowingly of Roderick. Can you, from your experience with talking with Coach Roderick, what have maybe just been some of the the traits or, or characteristics that really just stand out with uh, with Coach A Rod for you? Uh, I mean, off the top of that, the number one thing about A Rod is he is so level headed all of the time. He's, he's he's never too high on the highs, never too low on the lows, and that is so beneficial for a quarterback to have as a for an offensive coordinator. Uh, you you can't speak enough towards that. Uh, he, he's just that nature. It really helps allow a quarterback to be comfortable and uh, be able to deal with you know mistakes, and uh, also be able to know how to deal with the with the good things. So that that's definitely the most impactful thing I've seen from him so far, and I'm looking forward to working with him in the future. And I got to imagine too, Jake, that Coach A Rod loves your bio on Huddle, which I, I enjoy too. Best attributes. This is the quote: Best attributes are accuracy and downfield vision, looking for opportunities to lead the team. Words I live by are stay patient, never settle. That sounds like a quarterback that A-Rod likes. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just something I put on there just because it's, it's what I believe. And, and that stay patient, never settle thing, Kate, Kate, I'm actually proud I came up with that one myself and somebody else quoted it, then I'd give props to them. Uh, but it's just something I came up with through high school because, you know, I came through COVID. Um, and so you didn't get any, you didn't get much opportunity during the COVID year because, you know, seasons got canceled and delayed and, so all you, all you can do is stay patient, and then once you get that opportunity, never settle. You know, just keep going and uh, strive to be as best as you could possibly be. And, and that's truly something I live by and, and will continue. Jake Retzlaff is our guest for a few more moments, the newest BOU quarterback. You, you mentioned the COVID pandemic when you were a high school quarterback in California. California was uh, locked down a, a lot more heavily than, than Utah at the time. How much do you think that impacted you in high school and your recruitment and and and, and just fascinating to me because we, me and Mitch, we just haven't had a, a real opportunity to talk to anyone who lived through that as a college quarterback or high school quarterback, I should say. Yeah, you know, it, it shot recruiting completely. Um, whatever I had kind of dissolved, and so it was just kind of it, it really was testament to the mental fortitude I'd build up coming through, and uh, you know. Just, just like I said, staying patient, and it was tough. You know, you go to workouts every day, and you're just talking about you have no idea when your when your game is going to be. You know, when the season come around, I don't know. It got delayed again. Okay, well, let's just keep working then. And so it was, it was tough. It wasn't easy. Um, I think a lot of those COVID seniors would say the same thing uh, down in California because we we were shut down. I mean, working out outside only, so we couldn't go in the weight room, and then and then uh, working out at six feet apart and all that and. At one point, we had masks on during workouts, which was not easy. But, but, but yeah, it, it was a struggle. But we, you know, we got through it. And uh, and junior college was the opportunity for me. And so I bet on myself and went to junior college, and and things ended up working out all right. Well, you're in the right place now. BYU at that time, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jake, but played nearly a full schedule, never wavered in playing, and, and it, they have this mentality of of wanting to play the best. Uh, did that play a role at all in your decision to BYU, just knowing that, hey, this is a group that, that's going to the Big 12 and, and they'll play anyone anytime, anywhere, as Zach Wilson once wore in his headband? Yeah, uh, 100%. And and I believe that uh, our guys on, on the field, our 11 versus any 11 at any time, anywhere. That, that's something uh, you know we believe strongly at Riverside City College and it's something I'm definitely going to take with me. Is uh, you got to line up your 11 against our 11 at the end of the day, so... 
you know, whatever the hype is, it doesn't matter once you get on that field. Jake, who were some of the other schools that you had conversations with in this process? Uh, a couple of schools were um, the Coastal Carolina staff was talking to me, and once they moved to Liberty, they uh, continued contact for just, just a little bit uh, before I committed. And, and I was also talking to Troy University down in Alabama, uh, and then just those other offers that you mentioned earlier. Well, Jake, it, it's you know looking forward to to watching you in spring football. It'll be here before we know it. I think it'll be what early March, I would imagine, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun off season uh, for you to get ready. And uh, last thing for you too, what's maybe the major? What's the plan on the academic side? Because BYU's no joke in that regard too. No joke at all. You're right about that. And so um, I'm you know I'm leaning. I'm still undecided right now, but I'm definitely leaning toward the business route in this school. It's got like top, the top business program in the country. So I'm looking forward to the academic side. And the support system here is unbelievable already. The amount of people I've met that are involved with BYU football through the academic side, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, at the end of the day, that degree is what's important. Smart man going to the business side at BYU. You cannot go wrong <laughs> doing that, Jake. Well, Jake, uh, again, best of luck. Uh, everything will. We'll cross paths down the road, I'm sure, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time with us here uh, on KSL News Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That's Jake Ratzlaff, BYU signee, getting ready for his uh, first year with the BYU football program, looking to compete in BYU's first year in the Big 12 Conference. We appreciate Jake hopping on with us today. We got to take a time out on the other side. We'll continue to talk some more BYU football here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. Welcome back in, Cougar fans. Great stuff from the newest member of the BYU football team, a quarterback, a JUCO quarterback. And anytime you hear the word JUCO quarterback, yeah. doesn't that make you a little excited? Nostalgia, man. Steve Sarkeesian. Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Not many JUCO quarterbacks. You know, you think about, we were talking before the show, BYU's quarterback room is interesting. You've got a grad transfer. That's never been done. You don't get many JUCOs at BYU. You've had Sark, you know, Jason Beck. There, there's been a few others, uh, but but not many. And Sark's probably the most clearly the most prominent one. Typically at BYU, the quarterback factory is built by high school guys, and uh, but I think there's a place for for Jake Retzlaff. And at, at a, in an ideal scenario, Matt, it becomes Keaton Slovis tears it up this year. He goes off to the NFL. And Jake steps in. Maybe he could redshirt. He has that opportunity. Uh, that's that's there for the taking if if they can utilize that. But I got to imagine he's going to probably be your number two QB. And you know, and I think that in a perfect scenario, he steps in as, in 2024 as the starting quarterback. And then suddenly you're kind of back to order of you can replenish the cupboard with high school quarterbacks. And then oh by the way, Ryder Burton is in the wings too, and he can kind of come up through the ranks, you know, for a year or two, and then maybe in 2025 and beyond, maybe be the down-the-road, you know, face of the program for BYU at that point. But it's an interesting uh, addition, and it's one that uh, I, I like, you know, hearing that him and Slovis, they're going to make each other better, and I think that's got to be the approach for both guys. They're teammates, and I think that everyone understands that probably Slovis is going to be that QB1. Uh, but Retzlaff's got a chance to to be that uh, number 2 and be nipping at the hills of Slovis and ready to pounce at a moment's notice to step into a game if needed. You'd love the scenario to be that Rhett's laugh is so good that 
it's a short leash. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a negative way, but if he's really pushing Slovis and Slovis struggles, you want to see that change made. Yep. And so I, that's the perfect world. And to your point, though, you want Retzlaff to push him, but then you want Slovis to play sure. well in the games to where you never have to pull the plug, and then you're a good football team. And Slovis has, and you'll hear from him coming up at 2.05. Uh, we had an interview with him earlier in the week with Keaton Slovis. You'll hear from... Uh, BYU's assumed QB one uh, at assumed. Two. Come on, he will be. I mean, yeah, he's I I, not. I shouldn't say, he, but I mean, let the competition play itself out. That'll be a little bit of a narrative, you know. It will. It will be a huge fake <laughs> narrative. It's going to be fake news down in Provo when it's it, nothing's been decided here. Someone will say in the huddle, uh, "Tell us about the boys in the the quarterback room." <laughs> uh, Aaron will say, "No news yet." Gonna it's still an open wait. Competition. We're splitting reps seven ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I get it. It's you know it's it's a chance for to compete, and and I think Slovis will be that QB one. The wild card in the room though is Finnegan. You think so? We don't know nothing about him. Last yeah. spring he was hurt. It's an incomplete grade on him. Yeah, I mean, it'd be easy to write him off, but he's never had a chance. So now he's going to be healthy for spring. Cross your fingers. It's going to be a very interesting spring football. I can't remember the last time we've had a spring football with this much intrigue because you've got a wide receiver core, which should be the strength of the offense. How do they look? Who do they build chemistry with? Which quarterbacks pop? Because we haven't even talked about Soljay, but that dude just won the bowl game. Yeah, I thought he looked good. I mean, people that were knocking him that said uh, he doesn't deserve to be a quarterback, and look, they didn't throw the ball at all, and that was – I wish Roderick would have called some pass plays for him. Let's see. Let's see what he does. I know he had that disastrous pick. I get it. Dude can run, though, and he there should be a, some sort of package for Soljay, I believe. He ch- earned like a chance to play some thing. sort of yeah. way uh, for BYU. He won you a bowl game, and those bowl games are always tough regardless of the opponent. They are tough to come by in BYU history. Uh, it's an interesting room. I mean, and then you also have Nick Billups, a walk-on. There's going to probably be a guy or two that moves on, whether it's – I mean, I don't think it's Finnegan. I think Finnegan likes being at BYU. I think Sol J loves being at BYU. It's probably Billups if he doesn't flash and, you, and make an improvement. You also have Cole Hagan, a walk-on from Corner Canyon. He's the he's the older brother to Cody Hagan, the heralded wide receiver. And then probably a gray shirt candidate, Mike Yafea from Orem High School. Uh, he comes in off a of mission. But uh, it's it's an interesting room. It got replenished, though, in a hurry uh, by getting Slovis and Retzlaff. It was critical to get these guys. I mean, if you did not have these two, uh, it's a lot more dire situation at the quarterback room. Now it's a, a lot more intriguing, and to see what the possibilities are, it makes for some good storylines for BYU. And the thing that is so interesting to me about Rhett's laugh is we don't know who he is. Like He alluded to his time playing high school football in the pandemic mm-hmm. and how his recruiting just disappeared. We don't know. He had good numbers in high school. There's no pandemic. High-level program, too. He replaced Tanner McKee. Uh, at Centennial High School. I mean, so, it's, a, it's a high-level program. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is we don't know where he could have ended up had we not run into the pandemic. So uh, it, it's easy to look at him on paper and say it's Juco. He flew under the radar. But the circumstances were a little more complex than this. So this could very well be, Mitch, a, a, a diamond-in-the-rough type of find where he just slipped through the cracks because of circumstances that he couldn't control. You hit on something interesting earlier, too. Wide receiver, probably the strength. I agree with you. I look at that wide receiver spot. Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill. That's probably your top three. You've got Kyson Hall, an intriguing guy. Jaron Hall's younger brother. Ton of speed with him. He's a name to watch. 
Uh, Tanner Wall, a PWO, I think will get a lot more playing time next season. Uh, Parker Kingston, curious to see what he does. I think it could be a mission. I'm not sure. We'll have to figure out that. Devin Downing, Josiah Phillips from the high school ranks. BYU's got talent at wide receiver. It's it's and then tight ends gonna be pretty good too with Isaac Rex. Mason Waite comes back. We'll see if he gets more back to the fullbacks uh, spot. And Ethan Erickson. Uh, Ethan Erickson. Bentley Redden comes back from a mission. I'm putting out a uh, and then Jackson Powers too. I'm putting out a piece on over the weekend. Five. Did you forget your boy Anthony Olson? Oh, Anthony Olson too. Yes, and then you also have uh, I believe Nathan Coleman too as a PWO too. But there's some return missionaries that are kind of intriguing that uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that Bentley Redden, I think, is one of those guys to watch for BYU. But, yeah, uh, BYU football talk, we could go all day. I mean, it, it might be January yes, 14th, man, but let's fire it up. It's game day. BYU, Sam Houston State, I'm ready. Let's go. It's Big 12, baby. Uh, hour number one in the book. Hour number two coming up. Uh, we'll get to uh, BYU, or actually, uh, we'll continue to talk some more BYU here on the other side. Scooter Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.